It's Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Josie Duffy Rice. And I'm Trayvell Anderson, and this is What a Day. On today's show, the autoworkers' strike has expanded again. Plus, The Rock is not happy about how he looks in wax. But first, an update on the war between Israel and Hamas. Two more hostages were released on Monday by Hamas. They are Nurit Cooper and Yohevet Lifshitz, two Israeli women in their 80s that the military wing of Hamas said it had released for, quote, compelling humanitarian reasons. It was facilitated by the International Committee of the Red Cross. Israel has also revised the number of hostages they believe Hamas captured a couple weeks ago to 222 people, meaning well over 200 people are still being held. Hamas has said it does not have custody of all the hostages and that some were taken captive by the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is another militant group based in Gaza. We also know that a third convoy of humanitarian aid has crossed into Gaza for the millions there in need of resources. This comes as Israel has, according to local reports, stepped up its airstrikes. The Israel Defense Forces struck some 320 targets belonging to Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad over the past day alone, bringing the killings in Gaza to 5,087 as of yesterday morning. That's according to the Palestinian Ministry of Health. I also saw that President Obama has publicly weighed in on the conflict. Can you tell us what he had to say? Yeah, so he made a post on Medium and social media in which he largely expressed support for the Biden administration's ongoing allyship of Israel, and he advocated for peace and stability in the region. He said, quote, In dealing with what is an extraordinarily complex situation where so many people are in pain and passions are understandably running high, all of us need to do our best to put our best values rather than our worst fears on display. That means actively opposing anti-Semitism in all its forms everywhere. It means rejecting efforts to minimize the terrible tragedy that the Israeli people have just endured, as well as the morally bankrupt suggestion that any cause can somehow justify the deliberate slaughter of innocent people. He continued, quote, it means rejecting anti-Muslim, anti-Arab, or anti-Palestinian sentiment. It means refusing to lump all Palestinians with Hamas or other terrorist groups. It means guarding against dehumanizing language towards the people of Gaza or downplaying Palestinian suffering, whether in Gaza or the West Bank, as irrelevant or illegitimate. I thought he did a very good job of balancing a lot of the different dynamics here, including like not excusing violence against anybody and also outlining kind of the history of the region in a way that I thought was really powerful. So on that point, Mm -hmm. let's turn our attention to how other countries in the region are watching this conflict unfold. We've mentioned before that there are ongoing concerns that the violence could spill over. And conversely, that efforts to get humanitarian aid into Gaza have relied on careful diplomatic negotiations between Arab and Middle Eastern nations and could be at risk. To learn more about how all of this is connected, we reach out to Middle East policy expert George Bisharat. He is a professor emeritus at the University of California College of the Law, San Francisco, formerly known as UC Hastings. I started by asking about Qatar's role in brokering the release of two American hostages over the weekend. Qatar is one of the few Arab states that has relatively friendly ties and relationships with Hamas. Qatar is, you know, it's a conservative Arab autocratic regime that's Islamist itself in its own orientation and has had a close relationship with Hamas for a long time. It's harbored 
a lot of the political leadership of Hamas. You know, Hamas is a large and complex organization. There is the military wing, which is called the Al-Qassam Brigades. That's the one that carried out the attack against Israel on October 7th. As a consequence of this closeness, you know, in this long-term relationship between Qatar and Hamas, which is unique. There's no other Arab state that has that kind of relationship. And of course, Qatar also has friendly relations, relatively speaking, with the West, with the United States. So that's what positions it to be an intermediary in this kind of situation. Got it. So we're obviously also kind of in a waiting pattern to see about this possibility of a ground invasion from Israel into Gaza. That was seemed kind of imminent for a few days, and then it seems now less maybe imminent, but certainly likely in the in the future. What's your perception of how likely that is that a ground invasion happens and soon? And what kind of response are you expecting to see from other countries in the region if that does happen? An Israeli ground invasion of the Gaza Strip remains more likely than not. The timing of it is indeterminate. The United States is reported to be pushing Israel to delay its ground invasion in order to buy time to get more humanitarian aid and and also to negotiate for the release of more hostages. As that latter process has been having a little bit of success over the last few days, and we've had four hostages released, that provides further incentive to keep going and to try to get more. And how long that timeline extends is impossible to predict. How other countries in the region and other actors in the region react to a ground invasion, there is substantial possibility of wider conflagration in the region. I mean, certainly it's already happening on the West Bank. And, you know, the Israelis have killed something like 90 Palestinians in the last week or so on the West Bank. That could simply pick up. Uh, The other likely spot, not even next most likely, but equally likely spot would be along the Lebanese border with Hezbollah. Hezbollah is a very capable fighting force, at least it was in 2006 when Israel reinvaded Lebanon and had a very, very tough go with Hezbollah. Hezbollah also has a very large arsenal of missiles. And it wouldn't at all shock me if there's a a ground invasion and lots of Palestinians are being killed. And that's like a given that will happen. If there is a ground invasion, there are going to be thousands of Palestinians killed. It could cause Hezbollah to just say, screw it, we're going to join the battle. I don't see Iran entering into this directly. Uh, I don't see any other real regional actors that would get involved. I think it'd probably stay at that, but it could get really ugly. You know, these bordering countries of Egypt and Jordan who have been kind of outwardly, it seems like, hesitant at this idea of accepting refugees from Gaza. What is kind of the logic behind these countries' decision when it comes to accepting refugees from the Gaza area? 70% of the people who live in the Gaza Strip are people who were expelled in 1948 and after, right? They are already refugees. They were people who these towns that they invaded on October 7th were towns where their fathers and 
grandfathers and mothers and grandmothers lived. They tilled those fields. They were pushed out of them in the war. So Palestinians themselves, they don't want to leave their homeland. They see this as another major step in the Nakba, in the forced displacement of Palestinians, and they would rather die in their homeland than go elsewhere and be forced out. And of course, the Arab governments, they actually know this. Sisi in Egypt is a, is a military dictator who took over in a military coup in 2013 from a democratically elected government that was actually, you know, supportive of the Palestinians. You know, the king of Jordan, what can you say? He's a king, a repressive, autocratic, you know, form of government. They don't want a bunch of rabble-rousing Palestinians in their midst. They have their own, you know, their own calculus. In other words, the governments do quite apart from the sentiments of their people. When you actually put it in terms that Americans can relate to, it seems pretty outrageous. Yeah. And I mean, part of this is, you know, the, the failure to recognize the specificity of Palestinian identity. Oh, they're all Arabs. You know, they can all live together. You know, what does it matter if you're from Palestine? Just go live in Jordan, go live in Egypt, you know, go live wherever. Well, actually, people are attached to where they live and they want to remain in their country in their homes, in their villages. You know, they've been living there for hundreds and in some cases thousands of years. You know, that's where their family roots are. And that's where their identity is rooted. That was George Bicharat, Professor Emeritus at the University of California College of the Law, San Francisco. That's the latest for now. We will be back after some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Viore. Viore's performance wear clothes are designed to look great no matter what you're doing, both in and out of the gym. And they might be the most comfortable pants I've ever worn in my life. Buttery soft, yes. So soft. Yes. I have on one of their cropped sweaters, and it's a staple now. I don't think I'll be taking it off until next week. But don't judge me. (laughs) I won't judge you. And don't judge me for not working out, but wearing comfortable workout clothes. That is, I feel like, required. That's part of the beauty of Viore. On the couch, in the gym, it still works. I look like I work out (laughs) and like I dress cute when I work out. But in fact, I don't do either. And this is just me dressing normally. And comfortably. That's the flex, though, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. So for our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash wad. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash wad. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash wad and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. We're big fans of therapy on here, on the show. We absolutely are. Yeah. We absolutely are because, listen, you're going to need it, okay, to mm-hmm. get through this year ahead of us. And so why not check out BetterHelp to give you the the necessary coping tools, you know what I mean, just to be able to keep on keeping on, mm-hmm. all right? 
Mm-hmm. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. and offers their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, along with free plant consultation forever. Okay, so this weekend we started planning in our backyard, mm-hmm. and we're doing some wildflowers. We're also doing some trees we bought from Fast Growing Trees. I would love to tell you what kind of trees they are, but I have already forgotten as soon as I bought them. However, they look great, and I'm very excited to have a backyard that makes it look like I know what I'm doing. Listen, I love fast growing trees because these plants that I have now bought over the last couple years of them supporting this show, I would like to report they are still alive. Okay. And so I officially have a green thumb. You thanks do? Thanks to fast growing trees. That is very impressive. <laughs> to keep them alive that long is very, very impressive. Right now, Fast Growing Trees, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Let's get to some headlines. Headlines. New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez pleaded not guilty yesterday to an additional charge in his federal bribery and corruption case. In a superseding indictment earlier this month, prosecutors accused Menendez of helping the Egyptian government while he was chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Menendez has since stepped down from that role, and it goes without saying that members of Congress are not allowed to act on behalf of foreign governments. Menendez's wife, Nadine, and an Egyptian-American businessman were also charged in the superseding indictment. They also pleaded not guilty last week. As a reminder, federal prosecutors say Menendez, his wife, and three other co-defendants accepted hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes from three New Jersey businessmen in exchange for political favors. All five entered not guilty pleas to those initial charges. For his part, Menendez has repeatedly denied the allegations and has resisted calls from his fellow Democrats to resign. A trial is tentatively set for May. Argentina's presidential election is heading to a runoff vote next month. It will pit the country's economy minister and leftist Sergio Massa against far-right populist Javier Milei, a self-described anarcho-capitalist. Milei was widely expected to win in the first round of voting Sunday, but fell to second place after Massa captured over a third of the vote. Milei is a controversial but very popular figure in Argentina, which is struggling with its worst economic crisis in decades. Aside from his admiration of Donald Trump and bringing actual change sauce to campaign rallies, Millet has proposed eliminating the nation's central bank and replacing the peso with the American dollar. He's also said that human organs should be bought and sold like any other commodity and has questioned whether climate change is real, which, wow. Meanwhile, Sergio Massa has spent more than two decades in politics and has positioned himself as the candidate who can actually get a handle on Argentina's triple-digit inflation rate. Voters in Argentina will go back to the ballot box to choose between the two on November 19th. These political beliefs are so chaotic. It's just like you put everything in a hat. Listen. You pulled out five or six. 
and you just this is what I'm in net to now. And just said, why not? Let's yeah. try it on for size. Chainsaws, human organs, let's go to the dollar, no climate change, Donald Trump. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a watch process. The United Auto Workers Union expanded its strike against Detroit's big three automakers yesterday, shutting down production at the largest Atlantis factory in the country. More than 6,800 workers walked off the job at a Ram pickup truck auto plant in Sterling Heights, Michigan yesterday, bringing the total number of UAW workers on strike to over 40,000 nationwide. This latest walkout indicates that the union remains far apart from Stellantis, Ford, and General Motors at the bargaining table as the strike enters its sixth week. Stellantis released a statement on Monday saying that the company was quote-unquote outraged that the UAW would expand the strike after the two sides had quote multiple conversations that appeared to be productive about a new labor agreement. But according to the union, Stellantis has the weakest offer on the table despite boasting the highest revenue of the big three. You'll remember that the UAW is asking for a 40% increase in wages over the next four years. All three automakers have only offered the union about half that, but Stellantis in particular has reportedly faltered on the union's other demands, such as temporary worker compensation and cost of living adjustments. And finally, after a week of jokes and a few perfectly raised eyebrows, a Paris museum says it will redo a wax figure of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The statue of the actor and former wrestler was unveiled last week at the Musée Graven, which is like Madame Tussauds over there. It's also home to hundreds of wax replicas of celebrities and historical figures from Albert Einstein to Michael Jackson to Queen Elizabeth II. But there was one detail that critics noticed right off the bat. The figure's skin tone is a lot lighter than Johnson's. Many were quick to accuse the museum of whitewashing his likeness, with some comparing it to Mr. Clean or his Fast and Furious co-star Vin Diesel. Johnson, who is Black and Samoan, eventually weighed in Sunday night, saying that he reached out to the museum to, quote, work at updating my wax figure here with some important details and improvements, starting with my skin color. He also reposted a video from comedian James Jefferson roasting the statue. Take a listen. They turned the rock into a pebble. They don't turn the rock into a, a bino rock or something like that. It looked like the rock ain't never seen the sun today. It's like we're in the damn picture. You make the rock look like he David Beckham. It looked look like the rock about to be part of the royal family. <laughs> The museum said yesterday it has already started the process of making those changes. And by the way, this is the same museum that unveiled the very cursed wax statue of supermodel Naomi Campbell over 20 years ago. So here's hoping they get it right this time. If you don't know what we're talking about with the Naomi Campbell statue, just Google it real quick. Google it and... You will know immediately which one it is. I Googled it. A lot of (laughs) different wax statues of Naomi Campbell came up and I was like, these aren't so bad. And then I saw it and I was, I stumbled. I screamed. I was shocked. I was moved and not in a good way. Yeah. Not great. Not great. Not great at all. I will say, if you take a look at this statue. It looks like I did it. It looks like I made the statue of Naomi Campbell. Are you trying to say you're not an artiste? I'm Joseph? trying to say I barely passed <laughs> high school art. And I could have done more, more justice, truly. <laughs> and those are the headlines. 
One more thing before we go, saddle up everybody, because this week's episode of Strict Scrutiny is coming at you live from the University of Texas. Hosts Melissa Murray, Kate Shaw, and Leah Littman discuss why the Lone Star State could be a magic eight ball for where the country is heading on the legal front, from book bans, drag bans, court-mandated religious liberty training, to the aftermath of Ken Paxton's impeachment. Catch new episodes of Strict Scrutiny every Monday, wherever you get your podcast. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell your friends to listen. What a day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at crooked.com slash subscribe. I'm Trayvell Anderson. And I'm Josie Duffy Rice. What a Day is a production of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Bill Lance. Our show's producers, Itzy Quintanilla, Raven Yamamoto, and Natalie Bettendorf are our associate producers. And our senior producer is Lita Martinez. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. Hey, it's me, your barista. You know how you come in almost every day for our cold foam coffee? Well, now there's an easy way to foam at home with new International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. And it's foaming delicious. New International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. Now in stores. It's foaming delicious. You can live out your MasterChef dream when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.